Welcome back to another episode of State of the Art, the podcast that sits at the intersection of art and technology. I'm not sure why art and technology are always sitting at an intersection together. That seems to be how people describe them. I'm Gabe BC, your host for the podcast. You can follow me at Gabe BC on pretty much every social media network, or you can send me an email to Gabe at thestateoftheart.org. Feel free to send me suggestions or comments, or if you want to send me photos of your Thanksgiving turkey, that's fine too. I'll accept them all. Speaking of Thanksgiving, it was particularly interesting to me to see the other day while scrolling through my Instagram feed how everybody had these very similar photos of this dead bird on that day. I mean, I guess that's pretty obvious, but to me it was interesting just to think about this collective memory that we're all sort of capturing these tons and tons of photos and media about the same event and posting them to this one same repository or source. And that's sort of relevant for our guest this week on the podcast, because she's an artist who goes out and actually buys other people's memories, old memories that she finds in thrift stores or flea markets. And she uses these memories to create new video sculptures or generative animations or AR uh, installations. So she kind of finds these old pieces and brings them back to life in new ways. Her name is Andrea Wolf, and she's a Chilean-born artist who now lives in New York City. Andrea Wolf, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Gabe. <laughs> so I've known you for a while, uh, but how would you describe your work to someone who's never heard of it before? Um, well, I would say that my work is uh, this ongoing research or investigation into memory, uh, especially the relationship between personal memory and cultural practices of remembering. Um, I create multimedia installations, video sculptures, video uh, work with storytelling, AR, different uh, new media or uh, technical tools that will allow me to uh, dive deep into what memory, I don't know if what memory is, but but just to, to see uh, like a, an idea of of how memory uh, comes to be, uh, mostly because I believe that memory is a narrative construction. So it's very much uh, about storytelling. And you mentioned the cultural practices of remembering. Um, what are some examples of the different cultural practices of remembering that you focus on in your work? I mean, mostly it's like in general, uh, different memory objects that we produce. You know, there's this uh, need to fix time in some sort of medium uh, so that it doesn't go away completely. And so uh, at some point it was portraiture with painting, uh, then photography came along, then film and video. And now, you know, the, the amount of tools that we have is uh, huge. Um, so, so I'm interested in, in, in that kind of documentation of uh, of our lives and how that creates a narrative of who we are. And therefore it allows us to um, create an identity for ourselves and how we present to others. Um, and in that same sense, like there are um, a lot of, uh, like I would say similarities between like probably if, if, if you if we looked into your family album and my family album, we're both old enough to still have like actual analog physical family albums, I, I, I guess. Right. Um, and I'm sure that there will be like a lot of uh, 
photos of, you know, birthdays, um, trips, vacations, uh, I don't know, graduations, you know, all these uh, milestones that mark important events in, in our lives. Um, so, so that's uh, in, in some ways what I mean with like the cultural practices of remembering. There's also the, the in, in a broader sense, the idea of the archive, the both the institutionalized archive and like the 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 historical archives that we create as a society. Do you think today we're all sort of creating our own archives with the new media and the power to capture sort of every moment and replay it whenever we want? In many ways, yes. Uh, like I think that it's definitely much more democratized. Um, because everyone has the ability to to create content, to upload it, to share it. Um, on the other hand, I think that one of the challenges of this um, this great availability of content is that maybe there's too much of it. So then uh, it kind of loses its value, or it's easy to get lost within it. Um, so, you know, it's those things that have like a very good, um, a very good aspect uh, to it. But then there's also the, the challenging element, which, you know, to this point also like just um, let us lead us to fake news, for example. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, getting back to your point about the sort of the box we keep photos in and looking through our past memories, I always find that that has more relevance than scrolling through a bunch of digital photos. Um, and I know that you work with a lot of found photography and found photos in your work. Um, where do you find all these photos? Mostly flea markets. So I I love flea markets. I'm pretty much a hoarder, um, really a hoarder. Like I think I need to be treated at some point. <laughs> <laughs> this is an admission of your hoarding problem uh, yes, right now. <laughs> yes, right now I'm 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 doing that. I I, I assume myself it's a hoarder. I uh, know, but I love flea markets and like every time I travel, like one of the things that I look for is the flea market in the city that I'm visiting. Um, and yeah, and that's where I get most of my materials. A lot of found footage, super eight and eight millimeter home movies. Um, old photos, uh, postcards, um, but postcards that were once written and sent. Like I, I also like to, in, in my being a super hoarder, I still try to create limits or restrictions to myself. Uh, so I'm always trying to find the, the storytelling behind the objects that I find. So when you walk into a flea market, are you looking for something spe you know specific, or are you hoping to find sort of a buried treasure there? And what would that treasure look like to you? If, you know, what's the ultimate find at a flea market for you? Well, it's I mean, it's a little bit of both. Like I have some very clear missions, and for example, there's this amazing uh, flea market. It's uh, quite a few warehouses in Santiago, Chile, where I'm from. Uh, that it's called Persa Bio Bio. And there's one or two warehouses that have these sort of things that I like. Um, even though I might go there like once or twice a year, they know me. They know me as the girl of the home movies because I always go looking <laughs> for those. Uh, which I, They say, oh boy, here she comes again. Here comes the, the hoarder. <laughs> I think 
<laughs> get out all the super eight yeah, footage. I mean, it's more like, yeah, she's making our day, you know, like take them all out. Right. Take them all out. You're finally going to sell them to someone. <laughs> or like, um, and you know, even even like uh if, if I don't find it right away, I talk with people and like, oh maybe, and then then there becomes this thing like, oh, I don't have them with me right now, but I can meet with you later. So yes, I'll bring them to you or like we'll meet at a corner, you know, like if we were doing some sort of shady dealing or or something. Um <laughs> So, so I like the idea of of sort of dealing memories on the corner. That's an interesting idea there. Yeah, <laughs> you're a memory de- memory dealer. Yeah, yeah, you know it's hardcore. Um, <laughs> but then also, you know, I'm 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 open to as you were uh, asking or mentioning, like finding little treasures or things that you can't even imagine beforehand. Um, a super nice example of that was uh, is is. I found this beautiful album with photographs of the moon taken by an astronomer in the 60s um, in Chile. This and, and, you know, he has every photo super nicely placed and there's this vellum paper on top of each of them and has all the information, the, the date, the time where he, when he took them, uh, the kind of lens he used, the kind of film he used, the aperture, the everything. So it's made with so much love. And it was literally buried in a basket within, I don't know, just junk. Uh, and and I found it and I got it for like nothing. And I'm like, I'm still, I still haven't done a piece with it because I find it so beautiful and an object made with so much love, even though it was also like a scientific research. That, that yeah, I just have it there, and I like to look at it. And and when, once you find an object like that, what's the next process in terms of your art, artistic exploration of that object? Like, do you start with the idea? Do you see the the photos of the moon? I know you haven't worked with that one yet, but uh, do you find some footage and you say this this sparks an idea in my mind for a sculpture? Or how, what's the jump that happens between finding these photos or memories and then creating a new work out of them? Um, it's. Uh, sometimes the, the 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 material that I find is what sparks an idea and a whole project. Um, and some other times I kind of have something in mind, uh, which is still very open because I don't know how it will come to life until I, I get the material. And the thing with film footage is that, uh, especially with the films, is like when I buy them or when I find them, or I don't really know what's what they are. Um, for example, um, when I was, I went, once I was in Mexico city, I, I, I dealt memories in a corner. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I bought a lot of, uh, super eight and eight millimeter films and one had written in, in, in the, in the box, it came like wonders under the sea or something like that. And it ended up being, uh, a newsreel from 1937 and that was what prompted uh, the piece Future Past News. Um, so it depends. And what is uh, the, what is Future Past News for those who haven't seen it before? Oh, if you haven't, no, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Future Past News is an augmented reality installation and also an online piece. Um, that 
um, it just highlights the parallels between today uh, and and our recent history. Um, just by by you know like juxtaposing juxtaposing the the news from 1937 with news from from today. So pretty much, this is a newsreel that was very uh, just before World War II started. And you see in the newsreel, you see floods, you see, uh, I don't know, like different things happening and wars and, and, and refugees uh, having to escape and find and find new places to live. And uh, many things that while, uh, while I was watching the film resonated with, you know, what you just see today on the news or what you can read. Um, and then there is this part in this newsreel, which is like, it's it's kind of really heartbreaking or more like it just gives you chills because at the end of it, it says like something like in the hands of these five men lies the destiny of the world. May they be wise and peace and calm rule on earth or something like that. And then you see Stalin, Hitler, Mussolini, Mikhail uh, and Roosevelt. Uh, and you're like, wow. you're like, yeah, no, that's not what happened. There wasn't calm. There wasn't peace. So it's also just looking at that with the vantage point of knowing what happened and how wrong everything went. Uh, it makes it even more eerie. Um, but again, it took me a while to know what to do with this with this film because I felt that it was so strong. Like, how do you tackle this material sometimes? Uh, and then in 2016, uh, we had the presidential elections in the U.S. And a lot of the rhetoric that was used reminded me of like the rhetoric used, you know, by by the Nazis and by the fascists. So uh, it was kind of interesting to to do that juxtaposition. And then for that piece, uh, at the time I was. Uh, a member uh, at New Inc. New Inc. is the incubator program for art, technology, and design of the new museum. Um, and I met Carolina Sukowski, another artist, and we worked on this piece together. So um, we created an augmented reality app that allows you to see, uh, to change the the news from 1937 with news from from the present time or at least from 2016 uh, and then we recreated a living room from from the time so you pretty much kind of step into the living room of any person from that time and you have the tv with the news playing and you have an ipad that has the app on it and you can see both contents at the same time yeah, that's super cool. I love the the way that this found footage that you thought was going to be something like, you know, starfish or under the sea <laughs> <laughs> later turned into this uh, really impactful artwork. And I also love that you use sort of a physical installation with augmented reality, which I think it's important sort of to step into a space and to experience a sculpture, not just through like an iPad or a cell phone, but like to have sort of a theatrical element around uh, AR as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that really helps with this piece, for example, because, you know, like, it, it it surrounds you in, in, in many ways. And then we even have like music from the time. Yeah, so I think that, yeah, it really helps this this piece, uh, the fact to be, uh, it, you're surrounded by 
by elements of the time that we are trying to show you and transport you to. Uh, we even had some music, like background music of the time playing. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, like AR is super interesting, but can seem so abstract at the same time. Uh, incorporating some physical element into my work, even if I start with video or with like some generative uh, uh, video or something like that, I I like bringing back that that tangible element, that physical element. Maybe a little bit what we were talking before, like the the memories in the shoebox kind of feeling. So you also use found footage in your series Little Memories, which is a series of sculptures. Um, how is this different or the same from the way you're using it in uh, Future Past News? Uh, well. Uh, to begin with, I think that the the found footage itself uh, is is quite different because with Future Past News, it's a newsreel, so it's something uh, more of a production. And with this one, I'm using uh, actual home movies that are super eight or eight millimeter uh, films. And something that I like about home movies is that their their meaning changes every time we see them. Um, you know, their home movies are basically like a cultural product, uh, and they create these idealized scenarios of you know uh, why this idea of like all past time was better or the yearning and and, and the nostalgia. Uh, and so, for for little memories, I wanted to create a more intimate situation, and that's why. I play with scale, and these pieces are, as the name says, uh, small, uh, tiny diorama, which I combine with projection mapping of these different uh, memories that I've found throughout the years. Um, and yeah, each one of them, uh, it's kind of prompted by by a different footage that I found. So they're small dioramas and you found this footage also in flea markets, but these are people's actual personal memories. Yes. So when you, when you, can you walk me through like one of these sculptures um, and the, the footage that you're using to sort of bring them to life? Um, sure. So I'll, maybe I'll tell you about two because I think that um, some of them can be very different. So one uh, is uh, tennis, which is a, a super eight film of a tennis match. Um and what I did with that one was like in, in the film itself, you could clearly see each player. So I kind of broke the film into two. I digitized the material, of course, and I broke it into two and then I projected it into a corner. And then from that corner, a little tennis court comes out that it's also kind of an abstraction of a tennis court, very simple with a net. And it gives you the feeling like that the game is actually happening there and that the ball is going from one side to the other over the net. And it's a very small piece. So you kind of have to go close. You have to, you have to get, get close to the piece to, to actually see it. And then for example, there's a, another piece called deer, uh, which is a diorama of a forest. Again, it's kind of an abstraction and I'm say th saying this because they're not like detailed uh, landscapes or scenarios, but are more like insinuated landscapes, uh, uh, which is also what memories are in some some sense. Uh, and in this hmm. landscape, you can see um, 
they're they're two deer. One is like the mother, and the other one is like little Bambi. If, if um, that's at least in my mind how I see it. And the the footage that I use for this piece, it's a black and white film. It's it's an ex excerpt um, of a boy playing with a rifle, um, which is way too big in relation to the landscape of the forest, and it's pointing to to the little deer, to Bambi. So even though the whole construction and everything seems very innocent and it, and it's kind of uh, delicate and intimate, in this case, the, there is a sort of irony, if you want, or some darkness to it uh, that for me uh, was also prompted uh, from the footage. Like when I saw these kids playing with guns and all that and how normalized that was at some point and still is, you know, and and uh, why do we choose to to play with that? And where where did this footage come from? I mean, like, do you know why there was footage of a small boy with a rifle? <laughs> I guess it's found, right? So you'll never really know what the story was behind this footage. Yeah, the only thing I know is like, this one had some intertitles. Uh, so it was something like summer, or fifty something, I, I don't remember right now. So it was clearly like, and and, and the different uh, stages of the the different scenes of the film, like this boy is like playing different things, and um, and that one I think I actually found in New York. Hmm. Oh, so it's uh, that's interesting. So, are, do you think there's a difference between different locations and the memories that you're finding at these different flea markets? Can you notice like some kind of different uh, content uh, or cultural differences in the footage? Um, not so much. One thing, because sometimes I do find uh, material from all over the place in different countries, so it doesn't necessarily always uh, correlate with the with the place. But for me, the most interesting thing is that uh, the memories we create or the, the the moments that we capture are pretty similar. So then throughout my work, I, I'm always like playing around with this thesis, uh, asking myself, are memories interchangeable? Or at least the images of our memories, you know, like, does it really matter if it's me or you in that photo? or in that vacation trip, or in the birthday party. Um, because in some ways, we all have uh, treasured the same moments, and and other people's memories just bring, bring me back to my own memories. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so these are video sculpture pieces, like they're, you're using small projectors and projecting onto the dioramas? Yes, yes. So I'm using uh, these uh, very small projectors uh, that I incorporate incorporate into the dioramas. And then lately, in some new versions of these pieces that I've been showing, I also kind of switch from the projectors uh, to monitors um, to incorporate the pieces, mostly to make it just like this was more like a, a solution to make make them more movable and easier to to show at some point like i i've, I've been showing these pieces in art fairs all, all over the place so it's hard when you have video mapping to to make very portable pieces yeah that makes sense i've dealt with that myself oh, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> um, it's a it's, nightmare it's, 
It's interesting that you are finding these memories on Super 8 film or different film stocks and then converting them to digital and then projecting them out as digital videos. Like there's an interesting layering that's happening there. Like you're almost preserving these people's memories for them. Uh, has anyone ever actually come to you and said, hey, that's my relative or this is my nephew holding that rifle and the deer piece? Oh, no, but I would love that. But you know what? The, 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 um, uh, the footage I use for tennis, actually, um, this guy gave it to me. Um, and this happened because of uh, one of the winter shows at ITP. Um, so the, the interactive telecommunications program at NYU. Um, and I was showing uh, uh, some work that I've done. And and I started talking with someone and he was like, oh, I have this Super 8 film that I found of my dad playing tennis, but I don't know how to digitize it or what to do with it. And I was like, well, if you want, I can digitize it. But would you mind if then I use the, the footage for my work? So that's one case, you know, <laughs> and, and he, he then got to see the piece. So that was really cool. But um, no, I would actually love that someone came to me and be like, hey, that's my grandfather, kind of like. Right. <laughs> it's just an interesting layering of memories that then these memories get, you know, maybe purchased as artworks and live on in someone's house. And maybe someone takes a photo of them. I mean, it's just, it, it's it's sort of like th- this interesting time capsule of people's lives. Well, um, how would you think tech? Oh, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that, um, you know, it's like how the archive creates more archives. Just the process of archiving or the process of creating memories just creates more and more and more yeah and i always wonder who's going to take care of our memories sort of after we're gone you know even just like how who's going to take care of our digital artworks after we're gone too uh there's a certain amount of maintenance that has to go on with both well um i think that they're just going to be time capsules kind of forgotten in some oh this is very sad no no i don't know but that's a challenge with when you're working with technology also because it gets obsolete so quickly and then uh if you don't have the operating system in which some piece has to run what do you do and there are all the complexities um with that so i don't know maybe someone will find this in the future and be very confused by it and that would be great too so do you work in additions? Like, are these individual unique memories or do you addition these sculptures? With little memories, to be honest, I made a mistake to make additions, which I don't think uh, really applies to these because it's not like when you uh, print a photograph. I have to actually make them every time again. Uh, and that is not so much fun because like once you resolve a piece it's you know like it's not that and it's not that interesting to to have to do it again and again and it happened to me I mean it's a good problem to have it happened to me with a few of these pieces where uh, many editions were sold so I was just like a little diorama factory for a while you know (laughs) but so <laughs> constantly cranking out other people's yeah, memories yeah, just like going like, but i think like in that in that way also like for me uh most of my series are open-ended in the sense that if i find the footage that i find interesting to make another little memory i will make it but the new ones will be unique pieces no more additions i've learned and and are you finding, are you continuing to buy footage from flea markets or are you looking into other sources of memory that may exist online? Um, I still like 
the the physicality and the, like just doing it on a flea market. But I'm also opening uh, up to the idea of finding some things online, but more than finding a video that then I download, for example, it's more like uh, I might go online to check some some antique stores and see what they have, and then they have to mail me what they have, you know. So it could be like a postcard or something like that. That um, that I'm, but but uh, I don't know. So it's still has sort of an analog. Yeah. There's still an analog communication that's happening to bring you to these memories. Yeah, at least for now. I don't want to say that I'll never do uh, some other thing because. You know why, 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 why? Um, yeah, but but for now, I I really like um, the 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 idea of like having this physical uh, analog object. I think also like you know having grown up in the in a pre-internet era, uh, uh, but now living in on a on an information age or in the internet era. Uh, my work really dialogues between these two worldviews. Um, you know, like I, 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 I like also revisiting. I don't know the uh, the videos that my father recorded with his huge VHS camera of me and my brothers, or or things like that. Uh, and at the same time, I'm capturing like crazy photos of my eight months old daughter with my phone you know and like just creating an insane amount of uh, data and files uh, of her yeah has how has motherhood affected your practice I mean especially since you your work is all about capturing memories and recreating memories have you thought about that as it pertains to your own life it's it's really interesting because um, I think I'm very aware of like what I'm doing when I'm capturing everything. And like, I also try to restrain myself and to be more in the moment, which is hard because she's so cute. So I can, uh, you know, like then the <laughs> phone just it kind of pops up and it's like video, photo. But one thing that I do try uh, um, or that I'm very uh, aware of is like, if I capture a video of her, for example, I know she's very small right now to really understand. But I I don't want her to see it right away, and I think this will apply more to when she's older. Like I don't want to uh, to to tint to influence her recollection or her memory with the video that I took or the photo that I took. So kind of trying to keep a distance of of both things, letting her. Hmm. What? <laughs> why is that? Like, what, what? Why did you make that decision? Um. I just think, you know, like, uh, I mean, and, and I, I think it's it, maybe not for like uh, memories in a longer term, but at least for the moment, I want her to, to have her own experiences and, and to, to, to live them the way that she sees them uh, and not through my eyes. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that later on, like just how it happened with me, you know, like, you end up recurring and, and going back to those memory objects because you don't really remember many things. So that's the other interesting things about the memory objects we create and how 
they become our memories, you know, how our images become our memories. And we forget that they're just uh, a documentation of a moment. Yeah, I always mm-hmm. think about how, you know, people often hand down uh, watches to their kids and they're sort of these histor- historical objects that are filled with memories. But I wouldn't necessarily hand down an iPhone to my hypothetical children, even though that's where I keep all my memories today. Do you think like technology, new new formats of technology sort of change the way we remember ourselves or hand down memories? Oh, definitely. I think that uh, in general, technology always affects the way memories uh, are created and uh, communicated. Um, and then, you know, with digital media, it's it's so crazy how how it has transformed we we engage with our uh with our personal past i mean nowadays we are we have this obsession of capturing and editing uh as much of our lives as possible uh so we have like this constant documenting of the present and then we make these personal memories available immediately in different social media outlets so it's like almost like we are now living in a continue in a continuous present, like in a constant present, uh, and the archive is permanently accessible. Uh, so it's kind of like memory feels more about immediate gratification um, than you know this idea because the the old analog memory object or the physical object, you know, your uh, father's watch or. Um, a photo taken, I don't know, in this exotic place that you visited, um, had that treasure-like element to it. But now when we are producing massive amounts of data, uh, you know, how what makes it so so unique? What makes it so, so interesting? And then also, you know, like... Uh, Back then, when you took a photo, it was this idea of like, I know I'm recording or documenting this moment because I will want to look at it in the future. Like there was this whole uh, like uh, idea of, of like all the, the all the temporalities, all the times like uh, happening in or or being connected in this in this object. Whereas now uh, we fill our hard drives and our phones with all these images and data, but we hardly hardly uh, revisit them. You know, it's like um, one one printed photograph seems much more uh, valuable than one file that is named IMG dash. <laughs> One, three, seven, yeah, definitely. Four, I mean, I, I find this is very interesting, the idea of living in a constant present. I haven't thought of it that way before, but it's true, right? Like we're constantly documenting, but not to show someone in the future. It's just to sort of give us or to help us remember what we did that day even <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, even more, you know, it's like, I mean, I think that also social media in that sense, it's not even just for us, it's more for others, you know? Uh, it's to project the person we want to be, which kind of relates with memory because in the same way, memories are are a construction of our identity and of the person we think we are, and that changes constantly. I mean, 
every time we remember, we actually create a new memory because it depends on the moment uh, in which we are remembering how we will read that um, that memory, how we will understand it, and how we will use it to project ourselves into the future. But with this, it's more like, um, you know, it's just like, this is this is who I am and this is how I want you to to see me. Um, I don't know, it's it's complicated. I also think, you know, like in a moment, if we're living in this constant present and if we have this uh, overstock and nonstop production of information and content, like how can we forget at the same time? You know, like how does a society can uh, flourish if it also if if it can forget because it's it's also important to to be able to to do that it makes me think of uh one of borges uh short stories i don't know the name in english but it's called punes el memorioso and it's about this guy that remembers everything so he he can't forget and how kind of paralyzed he actually is in life because he remembers everything, you know? So how can you create an identity? How can you think of the future if you're so consumed by From all this past, information? Right? It like, reminds me a little bit of that movie, Eternal Sunshine mm-hmm. of the Spotless Mind, the idea that you could take a pill yes. and, or have a medical procedure to forget some moment of your life. Maybe that's the way we're heading. <laughs> After collecting all these moments, maybe we're going to be yeah. so overwhelmed by memories that it'll become more valuable to forget things in some way. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, you know, like uh, this Black Mirror episode where like you had this thing and you would record every memory like and then you could just project them. So if you were having like an argument, you could be rewind. See, you said that kind of like it, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of scary. On the other hand, I think like if there's so much content again, how do you know? what content is important, what content is valuable. So at the same time, how can you remember when you are so overwhelmed with all this information? Speaking of the future, how do you foresee that we're going to capture memories in the future? Do you think that we'll continue to collect more and more memories like we do right now? Will it be an exponential growth? Or I mean, just curious from somebody who spends so much time thinking about capturing and preserving memories, where do you think we're going to go with this? You know, I think it's it, it's a super interesting and hard question to answer also because I feel that, again, since I have lived a bit of both worlds, you know, the analog world, the pre-internet era, and now the internet era, I kind of have this, this connection with, with the valuable memory object or, or the documentation, uh, whereas, you know, I don't know, like, for example, I, I've never used Snapchat and I have no interest in using it, to be honest. Maybe, maybe at some point for like an art project or something like that. And, and I'm thinking like, here they are, like uh, this generation creating apps that actually erase the content that you're creating. And I think that that's interesting and kind of telling of maybe a place that we might be moving Towards, but I don't know. I think it. I think it's hard because all my views will be uh, influenced by my previous analog experience. You know, like I, I think there's the nostalgic in me that wants to think that 
we will find ways to preserve memories as treasures. But it I'm kind of reminds sure. me, you know, you're talking about erasing memories. We haven't talked about it yet, but you have a series called Weather Has Been Nice, which sort of has this erosion effect of yeah. memories. Can you talk about what that, that piece is and how it works? Yeah, so Weather Has Been Nice is uh, a series of uh, generative video pieces uh, in which I decomposed and glitch found postcards that were once written and mailed. So, um, I mean, I collect all these postcards of landscapes, mainly urban landscapes and rural landscapes, beaches, whatever. Um, but they all have to have a story behind them. And then um, I created this this app in processing uh, that it's, it's a pixel sorting application that kind of distorts the image in real time. Um, so you start seeing this landscape start vanishing into this very abstract, more like uh, geometrical shapes. Um, and one thing that it's very interesting to me is that um, what happens to each postcards depends on the nature of each image. So uh, because it depends on the information of the pixels that it image has, like, so there's uh, a part that it's kind of out of my control of what happens to, to, to each postcard when it is decomposing. Um, and for me, this, it is kind of about erasure, uh, but it is also about this idea of like understanding that memory and the images that we create of memory are are again constructions. You know that in the same way with landscape, like there's an element outside of ourselves, but there is a big part of it that it's a construction that 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 we make. Um, when I started working in this piece, I was uh, reading this uh, book uh, by Bill Viola. It's like a, um, a collection of essays and writings, uh, and it's called Reasons for Knocking on mm, an yeah. Empty I love, House. Yeah, I love Bill Viola. Um, I, yeah, me, me too. Um, and, and, you know, and there was one, one of the essays uh, that he was talking about our obsession with... Uh, with the uh, with high resolution, with high fidelity, you know, with the high resolution image, and how we're like pushing and pushing to go there, like as if that will give us like some sort of a sense of truth in the image, you know, like this idea of like the mimetic image, the mo the one that uh, represents reality in the most accurate way is the most real, but then. There is, he says something about like the real nature of an image. It's that it is an image, and that resonated with me and and stayed in my mind. So for me, in some ways, the images of weather has been nice are kind of images unfolding, becoming images. You know, like showing their true colors, their true. So nature. these are uh, postcards that you find of landscapes that degrade. So they're like pixel sorting. It's sort of as like the pixels are melting off off the image. Yeah, pretty much what, what, what it does is like, um, so there's this algorithm, this program, and, and I tell them to look at each pixel. So it goes like, you know, one by one, uh, uh, each pixel of, of the image. And then I give 
I give the program some instructions and some values. So I say like, if the pixel's brightness is higher than X value, then take the place to the pixel to your left. So what that, what that means is that then, you know, uh, it, it makes the image start uh, transforming mm. and, and changing. So, so it's just like, yeah, it, it, it visits every pixel, every, every unit of information in the image, and then uh, it, it changes it according to the threshold that I gave it. So I have little control with what happens because I kind of decide the, the value of brightness, for example, that I want to have as a threshold. But then the rest of it, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's the nature of the image the the information in the pixels what determines how these images what degrade. conceptually are you exploring with these pieces i mean besides the fact that these are these found landscapes that are degrading is there another message that you hope to achieve with the work uh, the, this idea of you know like the, uh having these these images being like constantly unfolding constantly transforming in the same way that our memories are constantly transforming, in the same way that uh, our uh, our experience of the world is constantly transforming and changing, you know, that it's not a fixed entity outside of ourselves, but it's something that it's constantly becoming, it's constantly happening. Um, and I think that if we think about our identity in that way too, uh, you know, it gives us a lot of freedom to to explore who we are or what we want to be or um, how we see ourselves in in society, in culture. Um, so yeah, I think there's something interesting about uh, you know, like just shaking a little bit this idea of everything being so fixed. Andrea, well, thank you so much. This has been super interesting. I think that's a great place to stop. Before we go, though, we do have a tradition on State of the Art here where we ask some sort of rapid fire questions of our guests at the end. Um, So these are not not questions that are necessarily related to your work, but Mm -hmm. more just to have some fun answers and get to know who you are outside of your work too. Um, So don't think about it too much. Um, But your first question is going to be, um, you have a project called Weather Has Been Nice, which we just talked about. What is the worst weather you've ever been in? New York winter. (laughs) You don't appreciate it? You don't appreciate the weather that I'm currently sitting in right now? No, no. I think maybe one or two days, but knowing that I have to live in it for uh, quite a few months, no. That's yeah. I do the podcast outside in the snow, so just so you know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. You you sound like you're very cold right now. (laughs) Um, All right. Question two: You often find other people's photos or videos, incorporate them into your own work. Uh, What memory from your own life would you like to leave in a thrift shop or garage sale for someone else to find? Um, there's this one video, uh, so I used to have this little car that, you know, like I would, you kind of pedal on and, and I was pretty obsessive, not that I'm not anymore back then. So I would sometimes like lift this toy, this toy, this car toy so that the wheels wouldn't get dirty. 
and there's some footage that proves that that story is true. So I think that would be kind of a cute thing to leave <laughs> behind. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, all right, one more for you. Um, you uh, your work deals with memories. We keep keep talking about here, and people often think about memory and smell and relates smell to to the you know. Uh, things that have happened to them in the past. What is your favorite and least favorite smell? Um, right now, my favorite smell is my daughter's smell, including including her her poop, <laughs> which is not pleasant, but still, uh, um, like I never <laughs> thought I would get so much um, so much emotions from poop. Um, <laughs> I know it's kind of crazy. Should that be should that be the title of this podcast episode? <laughs> so much pleasure of, from poop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it is it is some some sort of thing we leave we leave behind of our of uh, of ourselves. So, <laughs> oh, no, the ultimate memory. Okay, I'm I'm taking this uh, too far. The least favorite smell, um, probably New York subway in summer. <laughs> That's one of my favorites, but uh, I understand why it's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How do people find your work? Well, there's my website, although it needs some update, but still, you can uh, all the pieces we talk about are are there and it's uh andreawolf.me m e and then also Instagram just at andreawolf. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for talking to me today. Thanks for joining me today. State of the Art is an at-art production originally created by Ethan Appleby. Weston Stevens is our audio engineer who always makes me sound much better than I actually sound. Uh, And Vanessa Wilson is our producer extraordinaire who helps find guests, writes questions with me, and generally just kind of keeps me sane. I'm Gabe BC. You can follow me at Gabe BC or send me an email to gabe at thestateoftheart.org. I'll see you next week.